0: In my 30 years in the ski industry, I've never lived through two months as challenging and unpredictable as those we've just experienced. COVID-19 has moved so rapidly and so dramatically that our entire way of life around the world has been upended and no one has been left untouched. Everyone at our company has been impacted from our seasonal employees in North America who had their season cut short, to the many year-round employees who have had to accept a furlough or salary cut, to our Australian and Grand Teton Lodging Company employees who are still wondering exactly what their upcoming season will look like. We are all dealing with the fear of being sick and some actually becoming ill with coronavirus. And we all keep in our thoughts those who have lost their life during this time. Unfortunately, this has been very close to home for me and my own family, as we have had to deal with losing a loved one from coronavirus. The pain compounded by not being able to come together and grieve in the right way. This crisis has presented one of the greatest leadership challenges for all of us. How do we choose between seemingly impossible alternatives? The health of our business versus the health of our employees and guests. The vitality of the small businesses in our resorts versus the health of our communities. There's no playbook to leverage on how to lead through a situation of this magnitude. We've had to make up and live by a completely new set of rules. As the leader in our industry, the burden is real and I know it has weighed quite heavily on all of us. Personally, I've never been more aware about the impact of the decisions we are making on the lives and livelihoods of so many, and I have also never had to make so many important decisions without having the experience to know each decision was the right one. All of this was brand new to all of us. We did the best we could with the information we had, knowing some of our decisions may not turn out well. Our podcast today is going to be a little different from the format you've been used to, largely because I'm the only voice you will hear. This goes counter to our original premise for Epic by Nature. But like many things over the past two months we felt this was a special circumstance as i have had video calls with many of you over these past weeks and received numerous emails from you people have asked me to talk about my personal experience and perspective on what's happened so we decided to have me share my thoughts through our podcast one of the most important and gratifying parts of my job is getting out to all our locations and talking with employees. I really miss this in our current working situation. While nothing can replace discussing this with you face to face, my hope is that by sharing our company's story through this podcast, I'm providing you the context you need to help you understand the why behind some of the decisions we made and all the different considerations we grappled with in the process of making those decisions. But while you will only hear me on this podcast, it's really important to stress that this is not about me. It's about all of us and the leadership journey everyone at our company has been on. I also wanted to address why it's taken so long to hear more from me than just the emails I have sent out these past few weeks. In part, during this crisis, the concept of time has been a little warped for me. At times, Days or hours have felt like weeks. At other times, weeks have flown by like days. And if I was fully candid, leading during this time period has felt a little like being in a bunker and it's taken some time to climb out of that mindset. This story has several parts to it because we couldn't do justice to our company's experience by trying to tell it in one short podcast. So we are releasing a three-part series that will cover our decision to close our resorts, the impact of that decision on our employees, and how we are adjusting our past strategy as we look to the future. The first time that I heard about coronavirus was in January, when I saw a news story about a potential virus that had cropped up in China and read about how the government in China was taking some pretty drastic measures to lock down the city of Wuhan to try and prevent the spread. It seemed like a terrible situation, but also seemed very far away. I then started to read about cases in South Korea and other parts of Asia, and then in Europe. In late January, I remember reading about the first case in the United States. Even as the virus began to clearly spread around the globe, it was still hard to imagine the ultimate impact. I think that's because it's difficult to truly grasp the concept of exponential growth. That if you start with one case that doubles every day, you will have a thousand cases in 10 days, but then have one million cases in just 20 days. By mid-February, there was clearly now growing concern. We started to see some travel restrictions from certain places, warnings from the State Department. The first real outbreak of cases in the United States were identified in Washington State and the Seattle area. Immediately, our concern for Stevens Pass and Whistler-Blackcomb grew, and the crisis started to feel much closer to home. Internally, we put a team in place to handle our response with people from operations, health and safety, government relations, legal and communications. And from that moment, things really started to accelerate. While coronavirus had not yet shown up at our resorts, we began to realize that this health crisis was also going to be a business crisis with growing uncertainty about the future. At the beginning of March, we prepared a recommendation for our board of directors that we withdraw our earnings guidance for the rest of the fiscal year, and that we defer approving any increase in our quarterly dividend. At our March 5th board meeting, while we had not yet seen a case at one of our resorts, we discussed our potential COVID-19 response and contingency planning, still hoping it was just a hypothetical. Our board meeting that day ended at 2 p.m. Mountain Time And just a few minutes later, the hypothetical became real. Somebody walked into my office and informed me that we had received word that there was a potential coronavirus case in Summit County, Colorado. Immediately, our executives, legal team, government relations team and communication team gathered in my office. We were reaching out to all the community bodies, government and health authorities, trying to piece together the information about the case. It was only one case, but at that time, this was a huge deal. It was the first case in Colorado, and it was in one of our resort communities. The governor was giving a live press conference announcing it. I remained at the office until around 11 p.m. And as the night progressed, we received more and more information. First, that he was in Summit County. Then we found out later that night that he had skied at Keystone and stayed somewhere on site, but we didn't know where. And then later again, we found out he had also visited Vail Mountain and skied there. It was a defining moment. The virus was at our resorts. Our employees and our guests might be at risk. And I immediately felt a different level of responsibility. Things started to progress quickly from there. We went from one case in Summit County to another case in Eagle County to multiple cases across multiple counties. One of the first decisions we made at that time was to acknowledge to ourselves that we were not the experts on infectious diseases. We were going to need to rely on the input and advice that we would get from people who were the experts, public health officials, people at the county, state, provincial, and national level. And very quickly, we heard from all of them. During the week of March 9th, different orders started to come in from the different counties and states and governments, implementing different restrictions. One after another, we had to interpret and comply with each. Rules on social distancing, on size of gatherings, it felt like it was changing by the hour or minute by minute. Most of that entire week was spent on coronavirus, holed up in conference rooms with our executives and communicating with different leaders from around the company. As the week went on and different restrictions came in, we wondered whether at some point we would be ordered to close one or more of our resorts. But initially our focus and the focus of most of our local government partners was on preventing the spread of the disease. And most people felt that since skiing was an outdoor sport with plenty of space between people, that we could continue to operate safely if we made some changes. But when I woke up each day that week, I wondered if we would be able to stay open to the next day. Should we stay open? On the afternoon of Friday, March 13th, we announced that we would once again remain open, but would operate with new guidelines, converting our restaurants to grab-and-go, restricting guests from riding on our lifts and gondolas with anyone but their own party, and implementing social distancing requirements in our lift lines and gathering places. We felt like we had addressed the need for social distancing, but was that really the primary issue? While most of our time that week was spent on implementing new operating approaches, we also started to shift our focus to the medical systems in our communities. It was becoming clear that our resort communities were now operating in the midst of a global pandemic, and we had no idea what the impact would be on our local healthcare providers. We knew that the operations of our resorts brought thousands or tens of thousands of guests and employees to our communities? Could our community support all those people if we had an uncontrolled outbreak of coronavirus? And of course we knew people get injured at our resorts every day and those people would also need medical care. We started making contact with our local healthcare officials and medical providers trying to understand the situation. And late in the day and evening on that Friday, we began to hear more concerns from these providers. And as I went to sleep on Friday night, I felt sick. I had a pit in my stomach. Nothing felt right. When I woke up in the morning on Saturday, the decision seemed more clear. The health and well being of our employees and guests had to be prioritized and the burden we placed on the medical facilities of our communities had to be minimized at all costs. And the only way to do that was to close our resorts and reduce the number of people there. While the decision seemed clear, it was still not an easy one to make because we were acutely aware of the consequences. We knew we were ending the season suddenly for our seasonal employees. We knew we were gonna upset guests who were at our resorts for spring break. We knew this was going to have a significant financial consequence on our company and the hundreds of small businesses in our communities. We knew that the rest of the ski industry would be forced to consider similar actions affecting all of their communities as well. Our executives gathered together on that Saturday morning and started the planning for what was going to happen for the rest of the day. First, we decided that we would close that day after the lifts stopped spinning. We would not open for a last day on the following Sunday. We knew it would be abrupt and incredibly disappointing for our guests at the resorts. But we also knew that if we gave people an extra day or two, there was a risk of crowds flocking to our resorts and everyone coming with high emotions, all of which presented a serious safety risk. We also decided to close all of our resorts at the same time. Certainly some of our communities had higher rates of the virus than others, but we recognized that this was a global issue. Although it might have shown up in Colorado before it showed up at Stowe, or at Stevens Pass before Park City, If we had learned anything over the past few weeks, it was that the virus was spreading much faster than anyone anticipated. All of our resorts would ultimately be impacted. Once we made the decision and we had clarity on how we were going to roll it out, we did start to have conversations with certain government officials to let them know. We wanted to give them a heads up as to what was coming. We had conversations with some other industry players as well. All of those conversations were challenging. Everyone understood the gravity of the decision we were making, the impact to the economy, the impact to the communities, the impact to our employees. But across the board, everyone understood and was supported. After we made our announcement to close and I was driving home from the office, I initially felt relief. It was a gut-wrenching week, wrestling every day with the decision on whether to stay open. And the fact that we had made a tough call initially seemed like a success. But of course, that was fleeting. When I woke up on Sunday, there were a lot of emails, lots of commentary from guests who were angry. They had planned their whole trip. They had looked on our social media on Friday and we said we were going to be open. They had just arrived at our resort. Then right as they came, we closed. Even people who agreed with our decision were angry that we didn't give them more notice. Even people who thought it was the right thing to do were upset that we seemed to change our mind. And I understood their frustration. We had put out a completely different message the night before. But one of the best decisions we made throughout this crisis was not to get stuck. Sometimes, even when leaders get new information about something, they don't want to change their minds, especially publicly, because it's embarrassing or worse. But we decided we would not let that happen. When new information came in, we would make new decisions if we had to. People were upset with our decision, and it was our decision. No one told us to close our resorts. Often when you have to make a big decision, you try and look for other people to give you direction. But sometimes it's a decision that a team has to make on its own because you are the only ones who can make it. In the days leading up to March 14th, our company had insight about what was going on in each of our 34 North American resort communities. We had an understanding of the similarities and the progression of what was happening resort by resort. We had a unique vantage point as to what was happening across the ski industry in North America. One that required us to take action. Looking back with the benefit of hindsight, I'm very confident that our decision to close was the right one. And while I feel good about our leadership in that moment, I'm also well aware that maybe we should have closed the day before or the week before. There are rarely any absolute right answers. But the piece I remain most proud of is the way leaders across our company came together to make the toughest decision we will likely ever face. I also recognize the profound impact this decision had on all of you. In part two of this series, we will explore the impact of our decision on our employees and the issues we had to tackle as a result. And in the third and final episode of this series, we will look towards the future and address how we had to adjust to meet the needs of our most loyal guests our pass holders. And I will also share a little perspective on what I think the future holds for our company and our industry. Thanks for listening.